John chapter 1. We're going to read verses 1 through 5 and verse 14. I'm going to talk a couple of minutes about the authority of the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Now, when it says the beginning, I'm talking about in the beginning. I'm talking about Genesis. I'm talking about before Genesis. The Word has always been with God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So notice, not only in the beginning was the Word with God, but the Word is God. See, so you need to understand that about God and His Word. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So now it's saying that the Word is a He. Hmm. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And then in verse 14, it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know the begotten of the Father. We're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Word was with God, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Word is God. See, so whenever you're talking about Jesus, you're talking about the living Word. We have the written Word in our hands, but Jesus is the living Word. In Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. Revelation chapter 19, verse 13. It says, He, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, He was clothed with a robe, dipped in blood. You know, he died for our sins. You know, he, 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 as he's dying on the sin, you see the blood flowing from his body. So Revelation 19.30, he was clothed with a robe, dipped in blood, and his name is called. What does it say there? Say it again. Say it one more time. His name is called the Word of God. So we know Jesus is the living word. Several things about the word of God. When we go to the scriptures, we're going to God. I want to be very careful uh, in what I'm going to say today, because you're going to meet a lot of people who right now flow at different levels with the word. And I'm greatly concerned because many people in the body of Christ, they never study the word. They don't know the word of God. So what happens is if a person that studies enough just to try to confuse you, they can easily confuse you. If they come with that mess to me, they're not going to confuse me because I know the word. But many times somebody will come to you with just enough scripture to confuse you. And if you don't know the word, you won't know how to make a wise representation or a wise presentation of the gospel. So it is incumbent upon me today to just let you know that in the body of Christ, there are many like that that don't know the word of God for themselves. They depend on their pastor to spoon feed them only, but they will not study themselves. It's not enough what you get here on a Sunday, people. I'm just going to tell you right now. You need to learn and memorize the word of God. David said, I have hid your word in my heart. 
you see, so that I might not sin against thee. That's very important. You not only need to hear a word on Sunday, which is valid and it's important, and I thank God that you're here, but Monday you need to memorize Scripture. Tuesday you need to rehearse that Scripture and read it to yourself. Wednesday you need to uh, read the Word for yourself, for your own benefit, right, and learn it yourself. When we go to the Word of God, God is speaking to us. His word is his primary way to contact us. Now, I believe in the gifts of the Spirit. I do. God knows I do. I believe in prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. I believe in the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom. I believe that God can speak to us via dreams and visions. I believe in all that stuff. Having said that, I am also very careful of that because there are many voices that we hear on an ongoing basis. Voices like the devil's voice. Voices like the voice of our own spirit man. You know, we have a voice too. We have an inner voice that's always talking. And man, sometimes we talk a lot. Yeah, we're constantly talking to ourselves. And sometimes if we're not careful, that voice might sound like the voice of God. And it would not be the voice of God. It would be the voice of our emotion or the voice of our flesh. Our, vo- our flesh has a very strong voice also. Our flesh is spoiled. It's like a little child. I want that ice cream now. Or that kid, cat. Well, one pastor I know, a good friend of mine, he, he, he says, man, I saw a ring ding pass right by me and I let it go. It's terrible to be on diet, but you know, that, that's what happens. So we made a joke about the ring ding. And I know exactly what he's talking about. I used to like the ring, ring dings. Yeah, but that was the voice of his flesh saying, you need to eat that. You have to eat that. Now, your voice is spoiled. It wants its own, I mean, your your flesh is spoiled. It wants its own way all the time. Really? I don't know about you, but, you know, self-discipline is not an easy thing because you have to fight your worst enemy yourself many times. You know, let's do exercise. No. That's what it will tell you. You need to train yourself up. You need to discipline. Let's get up earlier this morning so we could pray. No! Right? Isn't that true? Your flesh will fight you every step of the way. And watch this. The things that are good for you, exercise, eating right, the things that will help your flesh to live longer, it doesn't care. It just wants its satisfaction now. It wants its gratification now. So they're voices. They're voices of other people. They're voices of other philosophies. We have to be very careful as Christians today because everything has been unleashed. I mean, literally everything. It's just every philosophy is out there. It's come out of the closet. There are so many different philosophies and belief systems. Uh, you know, one of the people I work with, he believes strongly in rocks. So he always brings a rock to, his, to the job. He always says, what's that rock for? Oh, no, that one's for serenity. So, all right, okay, okay. I mean, I'm not going to criticize the guy. You know, he believes in that stuff. Sometimes it actually helps, you know, to you, you have to see the rock that you feel a little better. But the truth of the matter is, that rock really has no power. Ain't no rock going to cry in my place. I lift my hands and glorify his holy name. You know, no rock is going to praise for me. I'm going to do my own praising. But the truth of the matter... There's so many beliefs out there that that it's hard if you don't know the Word of God. It's it's hard to to be stable in your faith life. So we need to honor God's Word. I I, I don't like the way many Christians don't don't honor God's Word. They don't reverence God's Word. That's God speaking to us. And the thing is, here's the point I was going to make. Even though I believe in the prophetic, if I have somebody come here, it's, Yea, the Lord said... 
and he starts saying things to me, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to listen intently. You know why? I'm going to see if it lines up with the word. Because I don't care if your name, in front of your name or before your name is Dr. Reverend Prophet so-and-so. I don't care. I am going to test what you say against the word of God. Because the word of God is only the sure anchor. Everything else, it, it could be right, it could be wrong. If it lines up with the word, I'll say, okay, I'll take it and let me read it and let me, let me put it to the side there and, and let me test it to see if it's of God or not. Because too, I'm hearing too many cases where too many Christians, I'm not saying here, I'm saying general, I'm saying in the general body of Christ. I'm listening, or rather I read Facebook, some pastors, they have gone up the deep end. They have believed some crazy stuff. And I'm saying, but you're a pastor. But see, they're human beings. They're human beings. And you know how we see in our history, look at what happened in Guyana. A guy that was supposed to be a, a preacher. He went off the deep end. Yeah, exactly. He was a preacher. A preacher. And this man led 800 people to their deaths. So I don't care what your title says in front of you. I want to listen to the way you honor God's holy word. Hallelujah. Amen. All spiritual experiences, all manifestations, all voices. I don't even care if an angel shows up into your room. Big, tall angel. And even tells you, my name is Angel. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I want to hear what he has to say. If it lines up with the word, you're angel. If it doesn't line up with a word, you're a demon. Get out of here. Get thee behind me, Satan. Truly, we have to understand the level of honor that God has for his word and line up with him. You know, most people want God to bless what they're doing. I want to get in with what God is blessing. I want to join him because he has the more sure pattern for me. Praise God. He's the creator. I am not. In Galatians chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, it says, and this was the Apostle Paul talking to the people in those days, to the Christians in those days. He was saying, you know, I marvel that you're so turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and they want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel than... than to you, then, what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. And then he repeats it. You know the law of second mention in scripture? Everything shall be confirmed by the mouth of two or three witnesses. He confirms it again. And as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you, then what you have received, let him be accursed. And he even mentions angels because he knew that there were false angels, that there were false prophets, that there were false apostles in those days. And that continues to be the case. In Psalms 119, verse 89, Psalms 119, verse 89, says, Forever, Lord, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. God's word is settled. God, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He doesn't change. Now, culture changes, Right? In Scotland, the, the people worshiping might have kilts on. Different way of dressing. In Africa, there's a different way of dressing. In South America, there's a different way of dressing. Here in the inner city, we have a different way of dressing. That's not what we're talking about. Things change. The way we worship in the 1600s. Oh, no. 
I'm just very, very bad, very bad. But you know what I'm talking about, right? But now it's... Dun, 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 dun. You, you know If they were to show up in today, they would say, huh? You're doing that in church? See, culture changes. But the Word of God never changes. Never changes. Never changes. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, talks about these Jewish people called the Bereans. And the Bereans, when Paul preached to them, you know what they did? They actually went to the scriptures. Look what it says, Acts 17, 11. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness. They were ready to receive the word. But they searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. You see? I love it. Paul, the great apostle, came in. Here's what the Lord told me. Hold, hold on, hold on. Get the word. Okay, go ahead. And as he's speaking, they're going against the words. Yes, that's what it says. Yes, it confirms the Old Testament scripture. See, they were in it. They wanted to hear the word, but they were always ready to confirm that it was indeed the word of the Lord, the word of God. Praise God. So in 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15, it says that we're to study that we're to be diligent in this. It says, be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I'll continue, but let me stop there a moment. Notice, God is saying to us, we have to be diligent with the word of God. Now, we're diligent with many things. We're diligent with work. We're diligent with family. You know, we're diligent with our children. We're diligent with ourselves. Some of us do exercise and eat, right? You're diligent with that stuff, right? But the Bible says we should be diligent, or not should, we must be diligent with the study of God's word to show ourselves approved unto God so that we don't have to be ashamed. What, what if somebody wants to challenge you and yet that person, uh, God wants to save him. God's working in his heart, but there's some issues he or she are working out in the scripture. And if you don't know the word, how are you going to present the gospel to them? We need to study to show ourselves approved. Then it continues. It says, but shun profane and idle babblings, for they will increase to more ungodliness. And their message spreads like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort, who have strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past. And they overthrow the faith of some. See, notice, during those days, they were preaching another gospel, and some people heard uh, these gentlemen, uh, Hymenaeus and Philetus. I'm glad that that's not my nickname, but then again, that was another, another time. <laughs> yeah, yo, Philetus, what's up? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joking. <laughs> just very, very unusual. Uh, so... <laughs> <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, they were, they, they were affecting the faith of new believers in those days. Because since the new believers didn't know the word, they were going, oh, no, the scripture says this and this and this. And they would literally shift what is the word of God into, into another philosophy. It says, shun idle babblings. I mean, just this week, I want you to look throughout the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, during your work week, how many different philosophies you're going to hear in the news, magazines, Facebook, Twitter, the other Twitter. I mean, there's so many different things that, that you can hear from that are constantly in your ear gates, pounding different philosophies. You're going to hear probably 5, 10, 15 different type of philosophies 
that are anti-Christ in nature, that are ungodly in nature. Our children in the colleges today are receiving, oh, it's an onslaught, an onslaught of philosophies that mostly are geared to kill their faith in the scripture, their faith in Almighty God. So we even have to teach our kids, kids, this is what the word says. We have to be diligent about this today because if we don't, they're being diligent out there. I mean, save the whales, baby. You better save them whales. Oh, yeah. And what about the, the cats? Save the cats, save the dogs, save, save everything out there. And then they have the other. And I'm going to get into something that's going to get me in a lot of trouble. And I don't care because I'm, 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 I'm angry at this. How in the world could anybody think with a lucid mind that you're going to take a, a six, seven, eight, nine-month baby formed in your belly? That's already a child. If that child comes out, it's a baby living, breathing, right? And the other day, a young girl, this week, she birthed the baby and killed the baby. She's going to prison. And rightly so. And it's high enough. But if a doctor takes that same baby while the baby's halfway in the uterus and poisons the baby and kills him, it's not a baby, it's a fetus. The devil's a liar. You think that God is pleased with that? I don't care how many laws upon laws you put on that. I don't care how many ways you call it. That's killing. And don't tell me, and again, I, I know I'm going to get in trouble, but I don't care. This has nothing to do with women's reproductive rights. A woman's reproductive rights, in case the lady is in trouble, yes, I say yes, let's help the, the, the woman, of course. But we're talking about convenience. When the baby's already that far ahead, it's no longer... Uh, uh, it's a convenience. We just don't want the child there. I, I, I'm not ready for the child. And I know we could get into so many arguments about that. But don't tell me it's not a child. It's a baby. You understand? But today's philosophy, and that's the point I want to get to. They name a thing, they categorize it, and then they legalize it. And they think God's okay with it. God's not okay. Judgment is coming upon this nation because of that. This is where us pastors get in trouble today. Because we have to teach the truth. We have to teach the truth. Then they want to make us bigots and they want to make us... That's a precious child. Some of them come out crying. They're still alive because it didn't work. And then they finish the job right there. This is a culture of death today. That's what's happening. And that's what our children are running into today. No care for life. Right now, a lot of our children, I call them children, they're in their 20s, their teens, going around slashing people. What kind of spirit is that? It's a demonic spirit. And they think they're doing something good. And what about the others, you know, that, that are coming and putting bombs on their bodies? You think that's God? No. I don't care what they scream on the, while the, before they blow up. That's not God. And we're looking at it, and little by little, we're just accepting everything. Oh, you know, life is tough. No, no, we've got to pray like never before. 
People are dying. They're being, you know, they're going to hell. They're, they're, not, they're, they're not having a chance to, 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 to ask for forgiveness. They're not, they're not having a chance to wake up. It's our responsibility to go to them and say, hello, hello. Everything is not right. We need God more than ever before. Can't people see how much hate is being manifest in this nation? And, you know, uh, well, you, are you on this side or on that side? No, I'm on the side of righteousness. Amen. I'm on the side of let's get the gospel of Jesus Christ preached. Let's l- allow their eyes to be open so that they can see the love of God. Oh, you're preaching hate. Anything that they don't understand, they call it hate. You call it hate that I'm saying that's a real baby. It's alive. He's alive. Comes out right now, he'll continue to function. Doesn't even need any help of any machine anymore. I'm hateful. I understand the bigger argument, but I want you to go deeper. I mean, sift through what's being taught out there because it's all smoke and mirrors. And watch this. If you dare to talk about it, they'll brand you a bigot. And they'll brand you hateful because they don't want you to talk. Because they don't understand. They're even being manipulated by a spirit of darkness. Because if you preach, it'll expose the truth. Then the people will, you know, they'll come to Christ. But that spirit doesn't want you to preach the truth. They don't even know they're being used. You understand my point? I can spend three hours with that. I can open the dialogue and we'll talk about this all day long. But I'm trying to take you deeper. I want you to see beyond the arguments that are being made. So you can see the truth of God behind all of this. And to see why God's heart is grieved over this nation. As imperfect as the nation has been. As sinful as the leaders have been from year to year, from decade to decade we still have provided a place where people could worship God in this nation. And systematically, this nation is shutting down our ability to worship. Right now, what I'm doing is illegal. According to the new laws that have been put in place, what I'm doing now is absolutely illegal. Yeah. Right now, today, what I'm saying is illegal. In church. Because they're creating laws because they don't want to hear the gospel. Because when they hear the gospel, it touches their soul. And it says, you know, that I'm in sin. Or I'm guilty. I'm not pleasing God. But if they can shut us down. When I say us, I mean the gospel. The people. The Christian, because basically, it's against every Christian. A hate crime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's in process. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So prayer, like never before, because here's what's going to happen. When you pray, you create an atmosphere of deliverance. You create an atmosphere that will open up the eyes of the understanding of the people. So you don't have to come in and fight and all that. No, you come in with peace. You come in and say, well, listen, here's what the word says. Again, get back to the word. Don't say, well, I believe this, well, I believe... No, no, what does the word say? See my point? 
And that's the difference. We're getting into too many arguments and philosophies. You know, well, well, I think this way. I think this way. I understand. I, I appreciate everybody. This is America, and we all have opinions. But what does the word say? Because it's only the word and what the word says that's going to get us into heaven. You understand? How do you get into heaven? The living word, a relationship with the living word when you come to saving faith in Christ. You know people get offended at that? How dare the Bible say there's only one way to heaven? God has an attitude about it. God says it's through Jesus. You're going to argue with Almighty God? Right? In your home, is your law. When you set up your law, somebody comes into your house, you take in a border. You help somebody in your home. He said, by the way, we shut lights down at 10. TV's off at 10, right? It's your house, right? Your friend comes in, they have need, right? Now, suddenly your friend is watching TV at 12 o'clock, making noise. You're going to go from your bed and say, what did I tell you? Uh, you know, I mean, I understand your laws, but I don't really respect your law. So what are you going to say to them? Exactly, the Marriott. <laughs> you, you understand? We know how to be tough. In your job, if you come late every single day, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to the relationship with your job? You're not going to have a job too much longer, right? What if you throw a tantrum in your job every day? You're not going to last too long. I, I love it that us humans, we like to be tough and we have laws. And rightly so, we need laws, right? If I, cross, uh, if I, if I eat the lights while I'm driving... I choose my backyard. But if, if I cross the, if those, those red lights, if I go in my car, I'm going 70 miles an hour, eating the lights, a cop's going to come up to me, police officer's going to come up to me and says, give me your license registration. Two weeks ago, I saw this young lady. She got caught on a legitimate issue. So the, the officer's, give me your license registration. And she's recording. She says, I committed no crime. I am a citizen of the world. And I don't submit to the laws of the United States. And she just kept on. He says, ma'am, give me your license and registration, please. He was so patient with her. He was one of these officers that were patient. You know, he was a nice guy. But she kept on. And she just disrespected him over and over. Finally, he says, ma'am, if you do not get out of the car, now I will escort you out of the car. <laughs> you saw that one? Finally, he got her out. And, he, you know, she had to go... I may maybe spend the night in prison because she really, really was playing the fool, right? So what I'm saying is laws are here on earth, and we need them, right? But yet when God sets a law, we want to have an attitude against our creator. Isn't that something? When God establishes a law in heaven and on earth, we don't want to respect the law. We say God's a bad God. He's keeping us from having our fun. No, he's, he created us. He knows what's good for us and what's bad for us. He knows how we function at maximum, and he knows what will destroy us. Oh, he's the, he's the number one parent. He's the greatest parent. But we want to have an attitude about God, because God says, I love you so much that even though there's no way for you to be holy and perfect, and I need to have holy and perfect in my presence, I'm going to make a way for you. I myself will become flesh. I will die on the cross for you. You come into relationship with me through that, that lamb. See, that's the perfect sacrifice. And I open up a way back for you. Oh, we don't want that. We'll have our own way. 
we'll have a nice rock that'll get us into heaven. <laughs> really? My wife always says, really, people? The truth of the matter is, we've got to get back to biblical Christianity because our nation is in danger, but our nation needs God's people to rise up like never before today. And let us get back to the Word of God. And whenever there's a healthy argument, yes, let's get into the debate, but let's bring people back to the Word. I know what my opinion is, and my opinion might be valid, I might be right, I might be wrong. Hey, but it's America, we all have opinions. But the word of God is the anchor of all of society. See, like right now, another argument. Right now, and again, I get in trouble, but listen, I am sticking to the word. Because the minute we leave the anchor, there is no longer any firm footing. And let me explain. For thousands of years, marriage has been between one man and one woman. Thousands of years. But the last 30 years, there's been a debate to that. Has God really said? Now, where, does that sound familiar? From the beginning, the enemy has used that argument. Has God really said this? In the word, does it really say that it's God's will for only one man, woman to marry? And if you do an honest study of scripture, you'll find that it is so. You see my point? So, but we are being conditioned in this society. Well, listen, it's private. It's in your home and stuff. Private, your business, not mine. But you don't understand the greater context. The minute you get rid of a foundation, you know what's going to happen? The building's going to fall. What's the most important thing in a building? It's foundation. Now watch this. The minute they got rid of marriage as in the context of a man and a woman, now marriage could be anything that I feel. Ah, right. oh, don't be ridiculous. Ah, uh, excuse me. Now, people want to get married with a dog. And it has happened already. Yeah, there's no more anchor. There's no, now it becomes relative. Yes. Yeah, yeah, please. It's ridiculous because marriage is considered a contract and there are certain legal principles for a contract to be valid. A dog doesn't have the ability to enter knowingly, willingly, not under duress, into a contract. So now we're really not just chipping away at God's law, but at the law of man. So where else are we going to go? Because you can't enter into a contract with a dog. So it's really a chipping away of the it's, law it's, of the land as well. Eroding. Yes, eroding. it's eroding. Right. We're really going... Yeah. Yeah. And this is exactly what's happening. That's what people don't understand. When you chip away at the foundation, then everything becomes relative. It becomes how I feel. And this is my anger about, for example, I'm, I'm upset of abortion, period. But the ninth month, the eighth month, the seventh month, when they're completely formed, right now there's legislation. It already passed. New York State passed it. So now it's going to the Senate. If the Senate passes it, even non-doctors will be able to kill children. Just as long as they're in this veil. See? The erosion. Not caring about life. Uh, right now in certain parts of the world, if, there's, if an elderly person is, is sick, they will help them to kill themselves right there. 
So there's an erosion of the, the, the care of, of what life really is. It's just not caring anymore. That becomes very dangerous because look at history. All you have to do is look back at history and you see whenever, whenever a nation has gotten to that point, what happens is people die wholesale. Thousands upon thousands of And guess what? The nation implodes. See? So say with me, we got to get back to God's word. Whew. Man, oh man. This is a tough word. Oh, well, praise God. Uh, just, just make sure that if, if, if they arrest me, that you, you, you get me out the same day. You know, <laughs> Just pay, the, pay, pay, pay whatever fine penalty. The devil tries in every generation to get you to doubt the veracity of God's word. Many Christians today do not believe that the Bible is 100% accurate or true. Now, the Bible is not just one book. It's 66 books compiled from a process where they were written by 40 authors of a period of 1,500 years. And each book agrees with itself. Sometimes the dates might be off a, a, a day or two, but the veracity of God's word remains concrete and solid. More and more archaeologists are finding out that what what the scriptures say happened actually did happen with names and stones and uh, buildings that, that confirm the veracity of God's word. Amen. Throughout history, people confirmed that Jesus Christ did in fact rise from the dead. There was over 500 witnesses that attested to this. All you have to do is go back to history and it's, it's, it's a confirmation. But today, say with me today, the enemy is trying and he's done a very good job, especially with today's younger generation, especially in the colleges, in the universities. We send out our young Christian kids to school. They come back, many of them without the faith, just like Jimenez and Philetus. They're there to try to damage their faith, to try to put a kink in the faith and the armor of that person. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, I'll just mention, that's the place where the serpent told Eve... Did God really say you must not eat of the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Then he says later on, he says, you won't die. You'll become like God. And that's what's being said today in one way or another. John 7, 38, it says, he who believes in me, talking about Jesus, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Notice what Jesus said. As the scriptures say. So Jesus trusted the scriptures. Whenever he preached, he used the scriptures. One day the devil shows up and, and says to Jesus, Jesus, if you worship me, I'll give you all of this. What did Jesus respond? Huh? He said, it is written. In other words, he used the scripture to debunk the devil's argument. Who are we to just use philosophy? No, I'm going to use the scripture that's the only tool that we have that's active and powerful that will, that will shut the enemy up. Yes, Hallelujah. Hebrews 4.12 says this. For the word of God is living and powerful. Yes. Lift up that word that you have. Lift it up. Lift it up. Some of you are lifting up iPads. and Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> but the word contained therein is living and powerful. 
It's not dead. It's alive. Full of power. Full of grace. Full of glory. Hallelujah. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit. And of joints and marrow. And is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word is our weapon of warfare. It is our weapon of warfare. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. says, finally my, my brethren... Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now, in those days, the soldiers, they would have different um, aspects of the armor. They would have a, a, a chest protector. They would have a helmet, breastplate, right? Uh, they would have a, a protection around their hips. They would have protection to their legs, they will have special shoes or boots to protect them, right? So he's saying, do like the soldier, put on the full armor. But watch this. If we go forward in that particular chapter, it says, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Now, what truth is he talking about? The word. So the protection here is the word, right? And put on the breastplate of righteousness. What's the breastplate of righteousness? The word. Then it says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. What's the gospel? The word. And the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. What are you having faith in? The word. The word. Yeah. Then it says, and take the helmet of salvation. What does the helmet cover? The mind. The brain. The helmet of salvation. Salvation there means not welfare like we know it, but welfare, being well. The word makes you well. It makes you whole. It makes you uh, to, to be at peace. Salvation is all of that. Because God saves you and gives you peace and gives you divine provision. So the word is precious. But then it says here, take the sword of the spirit. Take the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word. The word. So the whole protection is actually the word. When you allow the word to saturate your mind, your heart, it protects you. It protects your mind. What's here? Vital organs and what? Your heart. The center of your emotion, the center of your being. Praise God. What's here? future because this is where the womb is and this is where the seed is what's here your walk your walk your journey what's here it's what you do it's your, it's the labor of your hands we need all of that protected I need to be protected in my workplace. I need to be protected in my business. I need to be protected in my journey. I need to be protected 
my future needs to be protected. My heart needs to be protected. Because there's so many things that, and this, that the devil throws us fiery darts. Now, in the old days when they used to throw those arrows, what would they look for? They would put flame on the tips and they would shoot it at the soldiers. Where did they want to access? Hmm? Let's say the body. Where? They wanted to get in here somewhere, maybe through the side, somewhere where the person was unprotected, but mostly torso. Right? So if the person wasn't protected, they're gone. Today, the enemy comes at you. Where do you think he's coming at? He's coming at your mind. He's coming at your heart. He's coming at your journey. He's coming at your future. Remember when Jesus was born? What happened? Shortly after he was born, they heard the prophecy. And from the government's office, they issued an edict. Kill all the firstborn. Kill all the male children. They want to stop your future even before you ever have a chance. What happened with Moses? He was born and what happened? A prophecy came about that a deliverer was coming. Kill all the firstborn. They were trying to kill the future. But God not only will protect your heart, He will not only protect your mind, He'll not only protect your journey, He'll protect your future, He'll protect your children, He'll protect your grandchildren, He'll protect your ministry, He'll protect your legacy. Hallelujah! No matter what the enemy tries to do. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My God. Are we recording this? So in conclusion, we need to come back to the word. And we need to come back to the living word. The Lord Jesus Christ. John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You come to Jesus, he's not going to kick you out. The world might make you think that way, but they're liars. Or they're deceived themselves. Nothing worse than a person deceived with a lie. They'll come at you, they'll try their best to stop you, but it's just that they're deceived. Right? But you stand strong. While others might be all over the place, you stand strong. If they criticize you, you know, I, I don't like this. And it upsets me. Why is it that everybody wants tolerance, right? right. And again, I'm, listen, I'm, for, I'm all for it, man. But everybody wants tolerance except when we say something. That doesn't make sense to me. I think it was Bono, Bono, I think Bono, uh, or spring, spring, Springsteen. He doesn't, much, he doesn't have much spring to his step anymore. He's an old man now. But Springsteen, right? He was supposed to uh, do something in North Carolina, I think. You heard about this? Huh? No, no, but I got a point here. I'm going to bring a point. And again, we're tolerant. We, we understand. He said he decided he wasn't going to do his concert, so he wasn't going to render his service to the North Carolinians, Carolinians, Right? Because the government had opted not to go with the new law that, that some in their Senate or in their local government lawmaking office, whatever, some people wanted to change the law of how we use bathrooms. So if, if, if it's a man's bathroom, you have men. If it's a woman's bathroom, you have women. 
So now, if you're transgender, so in other words, if you're a man that believes you're a woman, but you still have all the male equipment on you, they wanted to create a law that you can go, even though you're male, into the girls' bathroom while girls are there, even if they're taking a shower or so. That doesn't make sense to me. Okay, because to me, it's all about biological. It's just fact. It's law. Yeah. All right. Okay, well, fine. But the, the government there decided not to go for that. It's going to stay men's bathroom and women's bathroom. All right, right. So Springsteen said, well, I'm not going to have the concert there. I will protest, and I will, give, I will not give my service. I will not render my service to the North Carolinians. He has his right to do that. He denied service to a specific people because he didn't believe in their philosophy. That's okay. I have no problem with that. You don't want to have a concert? I'll go see another concert. Right? Because, hey, I don't live and die by you. You, you don't believe in us. I don't care. I go my way. Having said that, if all things are fair, if you want to believe in tolerance, right? What if I'm a baker and I have a deeply held religious belief that I believe that it's marriage between man and woman? And they want me to bake a cake that shows two men or two women. I might not agree with that, but is that the end of the world? No, I just don't agree and, you know, no. A person did that and actually went to prison. How come Springsteen, how come Springsteen isn't going to prison right now? He's denying service. You see my point? It's so lopsided. I'm sorry. I just, I just lost it there from I'm sorry. Let me get back to my... You know I'm making a point. Like my wife says, just saying. We're... What happened? Oh, lady, the lady went to prison a couple of days. Uh, no, that was the one that refused to sign because she didn't believe it. Yeah. The, the, no, they didn't go to prison. What happened to them, they had to pay over $100,000 penalty. $100,000 penalty. Oh, no, they have, they, they have no choice. They have to close it. Yeah, they have no choice. How come Springsteen doesn't have to pay 100000 He denied service based on a personal belief. And it was okay. Nobody said anything. No, some of them celebrated him. You understand my point? So we have to be careful and watch. There's a morass of, of, of sin and, and, and just changing, shifting. It's a great hypocrisy. But it's, it's a shifting culture. But right now it's a cataclysmic shift. It's actually an earthquake that's happening. And it's moving the land away. It's changing so fast that we, don't, we won't recognize it in five years. Having said that, that's why the church has to be the light that stands on the hill. And we have to stand. Having done all, stand. The devil comes at you, you stand. People criticize you, you stand. They call you a bigot, stand. Because that's what's going to happen. The only option is, well, let's give all this up. Yeah, let me go your way. Meanwhile, what happens with God? What did the apostles say? When they say, you stop preaching or we'll put you in prison. He says, it's necessary that we preach. I'd rather obey God than you guys. Because in the day of judgment, when I go before Jesus, what's going to count? The, the word of some person that, think that thought they were all big and bad, they're just a, a, a flower that is here today, gone tomorrow, right? 
or Almighty God, when I bow before Jesus, will Jesus say, good and faithful servant, come and enjoy? Or will he say, you chose to side with them. You chose to reject me. You chose to believe them. And you didn't want access into heaven. Then he will say, go depart from me, from my presence. The Bible says that those that are ashamed of Jesus, the Father will be ashamed of them. But those that honor Jesus, God will honor. So do I need honor from different philosophies? Do I need honor? I, I, I need God's honor. Amen, 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 amen. To God be the glory.